Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. It is difficult to live in a world where only my opinion matters and my thoughts matter. And I live in a country where I don't have to make others' opinions and others' thoughts matter. And when I find someone who perhaps doesn't think just like me or talk just like me or like to live the way I would like to live, all I have to do is take my American self and walk in the opposite direction because I have the right to disenfranchise myself. I have, have the right to separate. I have the, 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 the right to move on. And it feels so powerful to find those concepts and persons that you disagree with and say, <laughs> bye, see ya. Um, it becomes more challenging when we think about conflict within relationships that we can't get out of. Marriage. When you don't agree with your spouse, the only thing you can do is say, man, this is a bad day. <laughs> Just didn't want to start the day this way. Where can I go? Can't, can't leave, you won't please Jesus. Too broke to get a divorce. I just got to stay. <laughs> or, this is, or a conflict with your boss. You need the job. You deal with it. Doesn't mean you're at peace and doesn't mean you have resolution. You just, we learn to endure. Don't you hate those movies that we watch where we already know the outcome? The star is going to get into a conflict with somebody, and we're going to wait the whole movie, hoping that they reconcile. And the whole time we talking to the screen, don't Billy know that Susie didn't really mean it? And if they had just talked to each other, if they can just work, if they can get face to face, and we can get both of them in the same room, the movie will be over, and we'll go home happy. Because we anticipate at the end of the movie, it's all going to work out. And even when you watch a movie where somebody put a twist on it and the guy doesn't get the girl and things will work out, even if you thought the movie was good, something on the inside when you you just don't feel good about it. And you go home saying stuff like, why they couldn't just work it out? See, when you come from a divorced home like me, I can, I can, I can talk about these things. And one thing you do, and the parents will always tell you, I'm a divorced child, so don't feel condemned if you've ever gotten a divorce. You might have had a great reason to, get, to move on in the name of the Lord. But what happens when you're growing up and you're the child, you're just thinking to yourself, why couldn't they stick it out? At least for me. You see, in all conflict, there's hope that the people in conflict has that there will be resolution. And this is where we find ourselves today in Acts 15. You're going to see right away something is wrong. 
And all of the human ways of dealing with what's wrong come to the surface. But today, I believe God the Holy Spirit will lead us into a new way of doing things. Let's read verse Acts 15, verse 1. Let's look at it. Here we go. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. How do you, you know, how, how many know that those are fighting words? I'm, I'm going to show you the fighting word. This is a conflict right here. And here's how you know, here's how you know the fighting word. Say, they cannot. Now, we don't, the moment you start telling us what we can do and what we can't do, oh, you got problems. Who, who, who are you talking to? Me? I'm grown. I'm grown. Ain't your child. Tell me what I can't do. You know there's conflict because the church in Jerusalem, mother church, the big guys, are speaking to the little guys, the church at Antioch. So from a position of power, they're coming in, speaking to the brothers, not the leaders, the brothers. It's a problem. Because I'm teaching one thing, and you're coming in teaching another thing, and we're having a clash. It's a tough thing when people who are ordained to be together have a clash. This is not some optional relationship. These are believers having a conflict within the confines of the covenant of spiritual family. Here's what they're saying. And I want you to understand, you, this conflict is pretty big deal. It's like over who can be saved and who's not saved. You ever been? Now, I, I, at times I've been the guy said, said, you ain't saved. But it was based on what someone did or has done more than what Christ has did, done. Have you, you ever been there? You look on TV and say, oh, them people not saved. <laughs> now you're starting to see when the conflict's coming up, it's at your house too. Let's read how deep this conflict goes. Because when you start dealing with somebody's salvation, they're going to tell me I ain't saved. I know the Lord. Even if you know somebody is not, not um, serving the Lord Jesus Christ, they're part of another religion, you start saying stuff like, you ain't say, you're telling people what they're not, fight. Verse 2 says, and after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. I mean, this rose to the level where the Jerusalem leadership and the, gent and, and, and the leadership in the church of Antioch are having a face-to-face -face confrontation. You can imagine some of the speeches like, hold on, partner. <laughs> don't come in here talking to my people like that. We don't, we, don't, we don't ascribe to that version of the doctrine that you're going with. You need to back that up. Up in here. The conflict is starting to get real because it's, it's moved into a face-to-face -face kind of personal thing. They're speaking to a group, but some people stop forward, step forward. Paul and Barnabas, <laughs> we run this. Hold on. Said, so I just want you to imagine that this disagreement is disunity, disharmony. 
And I want you to understand, this, this unity is not coming from factions. I, I know it's easy and tempting here to say, here are the good guys, here are the bad guys. But let, let, me, let, me, let me squeeze that concept for a moment. Let's just turn it into, here's your perspective, here's my perspective. Let's not turn it into the good guys, the bad guys, the right people and the wrong people. That's too early. We don't know yet. How can you don't know yet? Because to know, you've got to be willing to transition from conflict to a conversation. You can't know what's wrong. There's nothing worse than being in a relationship with somebody who finished your sentences and don't know what you was going to say. That's the, oh gosh, you're driving me insane. Paul and, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Now, this is critical that you see this. In the midst of conflict, Paul and Barnabas don't say, as the leaders of the church, we, we got some people who will solve it right here. They immediately recognize that when they're at an impasse, they need to do Matthew 18. They've already tried to talk it out. They've already brought a couple of things. They've got to appeal to an eldership that is higher. So they complain up, not down. Let's get down to Jerusalem. So when you in your life acknowledge a power or an authority greater than your own, you can get access to that spiritual covering. Oh, oh, oh you don't make me park here. You got to know when to say Amen. Okay, I'm going to let that slide. That's a warning shot. <laughs> they appeal up. See, when you are in conflict and you want to stay in conflict, you do it by not involving a third party. You see, there are some things that cannot be resolved between Debbie and I alone. She is a female, I am a male, and at the end of the day, we don't just naturally think alike. It takes some hard work and cooperation. And what do you do when you're at an impasse with somebody that you're in a covenant relationship with or a work relationship with or a, brother, a, brother, a, bro, a brotherhood with or a spiritual family? What do you do when you have to be locked in with another person and y'all don't see together get a third party that's greater than you? Oh, and that's when it gets scary. You hear this something. We don't need, I'm not calling nobody. Well, you don't want it resolved. You have to get somebody. You know, one, one time, if y'all heard this story before, it's still worth telling. I was uh, having a problem with my wife, Debbie. It was after my knee surgery, and I had just been on pain medicine for a few days. And I called Pastor Rice on the phone. I said, Pastor Rice, you got to come. He said, why are you whispering? I don't want to hear me. <laughs> he said, Pastor Rice, what's going on? I said, she tried to kill me. It's this, first of all, this is a true story. He said, all right, all right, good pastor and friend he is. He gets in the car. He comes over to my house immediately. He gets to my house, and I whisk him, and he comes to my bedroom. I got my pajamas on. I said, sit down, sit down, sit down. I said, you got to help me. How are we going to get out of here? He said, where, where do you want to go? I said, she, I think she's trying to poison. Don't eat nothing of the food. <laughs> <laughs> and he 
said, James, he said, he said, you ain't thinking straight. There's something, something's wrong with you. You need to, he said, I'll be right back. So he goes to his car and he gets a world map and he finds some tacks. I didn't know what he was doing. I thought he was going to be like writing out our escape plan. <laughs> and he puts a world map on my bedroom wall. He said, you are losing your mind. And I want you to pray for the nations until it all comes back. <laughs> and he said, then I'm going to go out there and talk to my friend, Debbie. Because, you, you know, what if you call the wrong person in your crisis? Call your girlfriend who, who wants you to get a divorce. Girl, I know an attorney. I know, I, I got people. Now, you better watch it. Now, do you, don't be, you don't be the first to leave the house. You got to stay in the house. Because you know how that can go. Oh, y'all know. Y'all watch Lifetime. You know what's going on. I got to, I got to move on to the next point. Verse 3. So being sent on their way by the church, I want you to see this. They, weren't, they did not send themselves. They, they got a consensus that we are at a problem, and, they, and, 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 it, and it rose to the level that top leaders were, were in conflict, and so that the people beneath them, didn't, who they cover and serve, didn't have to feel insecure. They made them a part of the whole narrative. Guys, we're going to appeal to a higher authority as a group. This is not a revolt. This is where, you know what? We, we, we have conflict, and we're going to solve it by trusting the church, by trusting the church. Beloved people of God, you perhaps cannot work out your own conflict, and maybe your answer is in a life group leader. Maybe your answer is in coming to see one of the pastors or leader or going to see Daryl and Stephanie, but you might need a third party to solve a conflict where y'all just don't see out of our own big issues. And everybody was in agreement conflict. Here's what happens next. No, 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 no. Go back to that third verse. We won't miss this point. Look at this. Ooh, watch this. You're going to like this. You're going to like what's about to happen that you don't even know. They passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and it brought great joy to the brethren. See, when you're mad and when you feel right, on your way to getting your judgment, you just start telling other people your, your, your side of the story. You get to Phoenicia and Samaria. Hey, let me tell y'all. We're going, we headed to Jerusalem, but let me tell you what's going on. We helping all these people and everything. And that's how they're treating us, you know. And they said they received it. With, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why they even getting on you. You see, you got to be, you know, in my house when you get in trouble, you had to be the first person to get other people on your side in order to win when you got the argument to mama. <laughs> hey, look, you know what happened, right? Come on. This is what happened. You, he, he took my stuff, then did, come on, because when we said, mama, he know, ask him, ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Go to verse 4. <laughs> when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed. I love this verse. 
When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed. They weren't rejected. Remember, the men came from Judea, and it would seem as if they, they were going back to the place that originated the problem, but they're trusting in their spiritual covering and their spiritual authority. And when they get there, instead of experiencing hostility like they did from the representatives the first time, they experience welcome. You see, so often we sum up a whole body of believers based on the behavior of one. You can tell by the spirit of hospitality in the Jerusalem church that there is some type of distance between the people who came there to Antioch the first time and stored up trouble and what they feel. They welcomed them. You're also seeing how leaders respond. If you want to determine whether you're a leader, when problems come to you, what is your response? Yeah, I experienced that too. I protect myself. You don't want people to hurt you. Protect yourself. No. They welcome you. So they welcome the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. In f- so you got to understand, when, when Paul and Barnabas get to Jerusalem, a conversation starts. And the conversation is about all of the good stuff that they have done. They don't deal with the conflict. They don't start out with the problem. They don't start out with the agitation. They don't start out with the, the, the finger pointing. They say, oh, wait, wait, wait. Our brothers are here. Let's talk about all this good stuff they're doing. See, this is what happened when conflict prevails. You can no longer remember all of the good things they have done. Pastor James, you don't understand. My spouse ain't never did nothing for me ever in 20 years. Never. I said, never? Nothing? Nothing. Look at him. <laughs> and so, so I say like, so I said, so they never celebrated your birthday? Yeah, but that don't count. They never we you ever been sick? Yes. Yeah. Who took you to the hospital? Well, they did. Well, did they sit with you? Yeah. Did they buy you some medicine? Yeah. Okay. Do they work? Yeah. So they contribute something to the house. Yeah, that's, that's doing something. I said, how many Christmases did you get a gift in 20 years? They said, well, I said, well, let's, 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 see, let me show you all the good you got before we get all to the conflict. Don't you know, no matter who you have conflict with, you great Christian American, you and I are so blessed with our first world problems that it's really hard, 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 hard to think we're being beat down by everybody who we see. They're after me. You become paranoid. Okay. (laughs) Let's get back to the scripture. They told him everything. Verse 5. But some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the laws of Moses. Now, The scripture said 
they rose up. That means they were sitting down. <laughs> you went from a position of peace and reconciliation. Hold on a minute. Y'all going to be sitting up here telling me everything Paul and Barnabas did. We didn't come here for, for a disagreement. Now, when are you going to order these people to get circumcised and obey the law? Because that's what I came to the meeting. But I'm rising up in here right now. They rose up. You know what they didn't do? Listen to one thing that was said about the good. Because when you're upset and you're passionate and you live in your conflict versus taking advantage of the conversation, you can't hear the other side. And when you can't hear the other side, the only thing you're doing when they're talking is building up your response. I can't wait till they're gone because it'll be my turn and everybody's going to know. Everybody's going to know what you're going to do about it. See, in a conversation, there's got to be a moment when everybody speaks. But the first person that spoke was the most sober-minded in the situation, the mediator, the church, leadership. They have no dog. They're just trying to solve it. Verse 6, the apostles and the elders were gathered together and considered this matter. I love their response. Their response over the moment of rising up and everybody getting in each other's face wasn't to get the same response. You know, the worst thing you could do if somebody gets agitated is get agitated back. Get your finger out of my face and you slap somebody's finger. Then somebody slap you. Then a punch happened. Then it upgraded to a kick. Now I'm grabbing a chair. You see, it's a progression. It's, it's a progression. <laughs> but the apostles, the highest spiritual leaders, know how to resolve conflict, and they go, they go back to showing you how this is solved. Put the word conversation up there. They, 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 they said, we're going to get together to consider the matter. They assemble a table to talk. Even after all of the emotions, they keep having conversations to deal with conflicts. Let's talk in our life groups. See, conflict's going to come. Conflict came today when we start singing Lift Every Voice and sing. Oh, I, I'm black, so I know what black people think. All the black people thinking they better start standing up on this song. This is the black national anthem. And all the people that are not African-American black descent say, why everybody stand, everybody standing up? Well, we, did I miss the memo? What am I standing up for? Okay, ooh, okay, I'll stand up. Just a courtesy stand. But they don't, have no, they don't know that you're watching them. They don't know you got a little hawk spirit all like, yeah, stand up, okay, let us know. We're diverse up in here. You know what's going on. So you got a conflict. But the best way to solve conflicts was with conversations. See, it doesn't come to our mind to say, after church, I'm going to go to, I'm going to say, did you like that moment? You know what that means to me? Conversations. Let's talk. And just when when we decided to be a diverse people that came together, 
You know what we invited? Conflict. We invited it. You know what solves it? Holy conversation. Holy conversation. Let's keep going. And after they had been much debate, Peter stood up and said, Brothers, you know in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the hearts, bore witness to them uh, by giving them the Holy Spirit. He's talking about in Acts 10 when, when Cornelius got filled with the Holy Spirit. But I can't believe that old Simon, old Peter, old Cephas is talking. I can't believe he's talking. Now, how did he rise up at this moment? It's like Peter is the guy who just waiting to see who's going to win the argument, who's kind of, where is it leaning? And then he stands up, and he says a truth that's powerful. He testifies of what God is doing through man. He's testifying, and he's testifying on behalf of a person who confronted him. Remember when they was in Antioch, Paul Paul saw Peter being hypocritical, seeing that the Gent- eating with the Gentiles until the people came from James, then, you know, down to Jerusalem church. Then he acted like he didn't know the Gentiles, started hanging out with the Jews, and, you know, he didn't want to eat with them no more. And, and Peter, Peter got, I mean, uh, Paul got in his face and said, you, man, you're a hypocrite. And see, this is the way we would like to solve confrontation. And in fact, we see a scripture like this, and we set it in our mind as a model that sometimes you just got to get in somebody's face. No, it's descriptive of what he did, but it's not prescriptive. It's not saying that you should get in somebody's face. It's Paul, Paul, the Bible is describing what happened between the conflict between Paul and Peter. He's not saying, this is the way I want conflict resolved. The Jerusalem elders are showing you that it's a collective group of people. There's wisdom and safety in the multitude of counselors. Whenever you're stuck with two individuals, you're going to have a clash. It didn't say the group came to Peter and got in Peter's face. It said that, that, I mean, that, that Paul came. I, and, and he's proud. I was, I was stood up to the space. It was wrong. I got it in his face. <laughs> Nobody going to take advantage of me. It's the wrong way. He's trying to get you in a conversation. And now Peter is realizing, I ain't like how that went down. Let me get in the safety of a group. And you know what? It's amazing that Peter is the one standing up to defend Paul and Barnabas, considering that they were the ones he had another conflict with. But when you lean into the body instead of leaning out, you find out that Jesus has people all over the place who have, he's been dealing with who are ready to deal with your situation, even if you've had previously a conflict. His spiritual order does not change. Even I had a problem with the pastor, but he's still anointed to deal with your situation. So you're not trusting the man. You're trusting God who sets up his church and sets up his system. Men can fall. Men can make mistakes. But God's institution of the church, it is solid, and the truth will always Always prevail, and even men that don't want to stand up and say something will stand up and say something. Let's skip down to some verse, like verse. Go to verse eleven. Because I'm out of time. But we will believe. 
Here's his conclusion as to all his dissertation. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Peter said, you know what? I know that this whole argument started over if it's grace, if it's a great, the gospel plus something or minus something, or it's the gospel and nothing else. If it, is it by grace alone, by Christ alone, by faith alone, or is it grace alone? No, grace plus righteous works, keeping the law. You know, unfortunately, this grace works mindset shows up in the early church on day one. It is the thing, it is a virus that plagues us even to this day. That the grace is so overwhelmingly great that we can't comprehend that it's not based on us. It's not based on anything you do good. It's based on what he has done. And, and it's not like he's ignoring the bad things you've done. He said, I died for it. I paid a price for it. And now he's reaching you through good news and says, guess what? I freed you from the penalty. I freed you from the obligation. I freed you from, now you're free to just love me based on your own benevolence. I'm not going to change the standard. But you're going to adjust your motivation. And this is, this is the awesome thing. He said, guys, this is a silly argument. You're only saved by the grace just as we're only saved by the grace. He asked the answer. And here's, and here, go, go to the 12th verse. And all the assembly fell silent. This is when you know the word of the living God has come. Because intelligent men, men trained by Gamaliel, men that are Bible astute, men that are so passionate they would go to another city and preach to other people in the church about what they should do, men that would travel all the way back to Jerusalem and, 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 and really just keep it all going, are all silent. Because when God speaks, there's nothing left to be said. And I'm going to prove it further. He says, is, uh, they fell silent, and they heard about the stuff. Probably. Watch the 13th verse. Ooh, when I got to the end, he said, after they finished speaking, James replied, listen to me. Simon has related how God first visited us to Gentiles. Uh, yes, verse 15. And with the words of the prophets agreed, just as it is written. And he goes on to quote a prophecy from Amos 9 and 11, that God had an intent for the Gentiles long before this moment. But the point for you to know is the solution to the problem between the Jerusalem church or the, 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 set, the party of the Pharisees and, 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 and the group in Antioch, and who was right or wrong? The deciding factor was the Word of God. <laughs> you, this is why you should be happy you're in church. Because when you have a disagreement with your spouse or your children or your, or your workplace or, or the politics and everything, the solution is not, here's how I feel, here's what I think, here's what I want. It's what does the Word of God say? 
What does the council of believers say? What does the church of the living God say? And I can trust that. I will fall silent. God's word will be lifted up and my conflict will be gone by a simple conversation that brings me into reconciliation because I did not lean out, but I began to lean in to what God wanted to do in the church. And I know it's far too often that we take the matters into our own hand, hands and we brood on our anger and we brood on our bitterness and we brood, brood on our unforgiveness and our offense. And we stay in it so long that we become imprisoned and entombed by those things that have ensnared us over and over again instead of taking their burdens to the Lord and taking them to the church and getting around conversation and doing the hard things of reconciling your thoughts with the Word of God, that's leaning in and not leaning out. And that brings reconciliation. That brings reconciliation. And then stand to your feet as I give you this final thought here. And I don't, I, as you stand, I don't want you to miss, because I have you standing, this critical final thought. James has stood up. The men who came to Israel, I mean to, to Antioch said they came from James. One of the first things James says is, I didn't send those men. But see, great spiritual authority is not trying to protect itself, it's trying to do its assignment. He waits to the last possible moment to say, hey, I want you to know, you didn't know where I stood on this because I just wanted to be a good mediator. They had to let people mediate the meeting not knowing whether the judge was fair or not. James just said, it's fair, I didn't send them. Number two, he says, there are some compromises I'd like you to make that are not based on the law based on your salvation, but just based on your love. And here's what he says. He said, because, look at the 20th verse and the 21st verse. Look at this. But I write to you that even though we're all saved by grace, he said, I want you to abstain from things polluted by idols. We could agree with believers to do that. From sexual immorality or fornication or, or any types of sexual relations outside of marriage. And from whatever has been strangled and from blood. And, he, he, and he's given the reason here. For from ancient generations, Moses has, has, has had in every city those who proclaim him. For he is read in every Sabbath in the synagogues. He said, your Gentiles are living in a culture, even though it's true, it's by grace alone. You live in a culture where people are still ensnared and in bondage to stuff that Christ has died to make them free from. He said, so to not further the gap, would you mind, not out of duty and obligation, but out of love, can you just not do these few things? If you can make this little compromise, this little adjustment, I know you don't like the music, but just stick with it. I don't know, know you don't like the liturgy of the service, just stick with it. I don't know you don't like to do all of the things, the rate, it gets a little loud, it gets, but just stick with it. If you can just stick in here together and understand I'm mixing the cultures and just make some little adjustments out of love and not out of obligation, ooh, you're going to live in reconciliation. You're going to live in it. Ministry team, come down. You know, in moments like this, my heart goes to all those places where I have had conflict and I've resolved it poorly. And without the gospel, I would feel 
condemned. But the grace of God just tells me you have an opportunity to live different. You have a power to do it. The feeling that shouldn't be one of condemnation, but conciliation. You know, the word reconciliation to make, to make friendly again. You should only be seeing a hope, not a burden. You should be seeing an, a way in instead of no way. I'm going to pray for us. And in here, in this room, in this room, like in the last service and in every church service, there are people who are here who have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior. And there are other people in here who've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, but you're living a life contrary to his word. It's called a backslidden state, and you want to you get it right. There are others that you're just out of community. You hear about community, but you're not in Christian community. To others who need healing in your body. When I do this call to discipleship, it incorporates anything you need from Jesus, from the most basic salvation to community or healing. And when I say the conclusionary prayer, if you need Jesus to step into your life and do anything, great or small, you may come down and all of these ministers are going to help you. They're going to not just pray for you, but they're going to give you a next step. Here's how you can live free, or here's how you can get in community. They have answers. And you can just, right at the end of the service, just slide down. If you want to go into that next level of praise, then you know what? Come this Wednesday night. We're going to press into God and get into his presence. But I'm going to pray for you. And at the conclusion of prayer, I'll meet you at Guest Central if you're new to Bethel. Or if you need prayer, come down. Lord, I pray that you would bless your people. Keep us all in the center of your will. And that's the apple of your eyes. And we'll give you praise for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you. Bethel World Outreach Church, reaching a city to touch the world.